Good morning. Y'all look stunned. Well, if you weren't blessed by that, your blesser's broken. It's hard to believe that we are at the end of our series in the book of Hebrews. Next week, we're going to start a new series in the book of Philippians. And the whole series is going to be under the, the title, The Only Way to Live and Die. I hope you'll come back with us and start in on the book of Philippians. This morning, we're going to be looking at just two verses at the end of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Before we look at those verses this morning... I just want to say at the very beginning this morning that I always try to be very transparent with you all as your pastor, but this morning I just want to say that I'm going to be especially raw with you this morning because I think it's important every once in a while for you to know that your pastor struggles just like you do, (laughs) that I'm as human as you are, and that this past week, I really had a bad week. I was spiritually down and in the tank for several days this past week, and it's all about this whole building thing. We got news this past week that though the lender wants to work with us and, in fact, has said to Scott that we are willing now to go 80% loan-to-value, which is pretty incredible, that the independent appraisers who have been appraising our land and then what the buildings are going to be on the land have come back with very, very low appraisals, appraisals that we can't work with. And we're... In fact, the the lender said, we'll even pay for a third appraisal. Because just to share with you, these appraisals are coming back, unlike any other property in the valley, without ever adding any value to the fact of when we bought it to where it is now. You know, every, every other place has went up in value, right? Well, for whatever reason, these appraisals aren't taking any of that into account. So when I heard that, it was just, again, just sort of like a kick in the gut. I was so discouraged. I was so depressed. I was so frustrated. I was like, God, are we doing something wrong? When is this ever going to come about? (laughs) And God said, hey, Jeff, you know that passage of scripture that you're going to be sharing with the people on Sunday? I need to teach you that passage this week. I I need to burn that into your heart this week. You need to take this truth on yourself. Because... 
Let me start here. At the end of verse 21 of chapter 13, there's the word, Amen. We're going to start with an Amen. The word Amen simply means, so be it. It, it's, It's an expression that we can use to say, I'm making that my own. I'm applying that to me. I'm not just going to say I know that, but I'm literally going to believe that. And that's where the author is here. He's saying to his people at the end, as he's built up this letter all along, is that, look, you've got to bear some things and you've got to believe some things. Are you really believing these things? Are you making them your own? And you'll notice in verse 22, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, bear with my message of exhortation. Keep listening to the message of God, even though it might be uncomfortable at times, because it is only to strengthen us. And so there's certain things that, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to bear. Last week we saw we needed to bear the abuse that Jesus went through. The same insults and intimidation and innuendos and mocking and all of that. We need to be willing, as Christ followers, to bear as well in this world. So there's certain things that we need to bear. But today's message is all about what do we believe and are we really believing these truths of Scripture? Are they things that we just know in our head or have we truly applied them to our life? And it's almost like God had to even say to me, Jeff, you need to reapply these principles. You know them. But in a sense, it's almost like now you need to go back and you need to apply a second coat of paint, if you will, to that. Because that first coat is wearing off. And so you need to reapply all this to your own life. And you need to take a hold of it and make it your own. And it was only when I did that, that my attitude and my outlook and my perspective started to change. And I want to share these words of encouragement and hope and strength with you today. Whenever the author of Hebrews says, Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing to do His will, working in you what is pleasing before Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I first had to remind myself that our God is the God of peace. And that you and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior have peace with God. I hope everyone here knows that peace. Because that's the most important peace. Because before we can experience the peace of God, we've got to make sure that we have peace With God, because only God is the author and giver of true peace. And I wasn't experiencing peace last week. Not that I didn't have peace with God. And that was the first thing God encouraged me about, because he reminded me in that verse, verse 20, that I have peace with God, not through my performance, not through anything that I can do, but I have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That has been provided for me. And all I had to do again was apply His blood to my life. I do not stand before God in my own righteousness. I never could. I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I stand through His blood. And that's the standing that I have. And because of that, you and I can have peace with God. But obviously, God doesn't just want us to have peace with Him. He wants us to experience that peace of mind, that peace of God in each and every one of life's seasons and situations. He wants us to experience what Paul said in Philippians is a peace that passes all human understanding and comprehension. A peace of mind that gives us this inner sense of well-being no matter what is going on around us in our life. No matter how many discouraging reports we may get back through the process of trying to get a building built. God says, I, Jeff, can be your peace. And God wants to be your peace today. Maybe this past week, this past month, this past year has been a struggle for you. And maybe it's been a long time since you've experienced that peace of God. Maybe it's time to reapply that. Because only God can give us that peace. And it is a gift. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. All we have to do again is receive it and apply it to ourselves. Are you experiencing his peace today? And then he reminded me that even though he's the God of peace, that he was willing to shed his life blood for me. What a provision. What love. It was like God's love flooded back into my life. He says, Jeff, I know you're frustrated. I know you're discouraged right now about this whole building thing, but I love you. I gave up my very life for you. I died for you. I was all in for you, Jeff. So allow my great love that I have always loved you with, that I love you right now with, and that I will always love you with throughout eternity. Let that be an encouragement to you. And be reminded, Jeff, not only am I willing to give you peace, I am willing to provide for you whatever you need, Jeff, because I held nothing back that day that I went to that cross and died for you. There's nothing, Jeff, that I would not do for you. I love you that much. I gave my very lifeblood. And it was like God was saying to me, if I provided the very lifeblood of my son Jesus Christ, would I withhold anything that you truly need from your life? If I went to that length, if I went that far... Would I ever withhold anything less? And then he reminded me about this eternal covenant. That's why Jesus came to die. It was not just a covenant that God once made between him and us. But let's not forget that this covenant can also speak about the sense, the the agreement before the universe was ever created between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you ever think about that? That's why the Bible says that before even the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. 
You realize that before God ever created, he was able to look down through the corners of time and he knew what was coming. And so even before he created mankind and he created the universe, he knew there would be a fall. He knew there would be rebellion. He knew that there would need to be salvation. And so there was this agreement, if you will, this covenant between the Godhead where Jesus said, I am willing to go. And be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I'm willing to go and lay down my life. And there was an agreement between the Godhead that this would be the plan. This would be the solution. This would be the answer to what was coming. And that is an eternal agreement that they had together. But I also think it speaks even more practically about the agreement that God has with us. When he says to all of mankind, if you will accept my provision of the blood of my son, you will be saved. And that is a promise God says that I make to you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. All it's about is applying that to our life. And realizing that it's not just about God's peace and God's provision. It's about God's promises. See, that's what that word covenant speaks about. God obligates himself. He has revealed himself. He has made promises to us. And those promises are absolutely trustworthy and reliable and faithful always. And part of where my struggle went last week was not just needing to reapply the peace of God and the provision of God and all that that meant, but reapplying some of the promises of God to my life. And then, verse 20 speaks about the power of God. Whenever the author says, oh, and by the way, this God brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. The Bible reminds us, Jesus was as dead as you can get. He had breathed his last, and yet the power of God was very evident in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know here we're almost to the end of the book of Hebrews and this is the very first time the author mentions resurrection because it's like he's building to this. And he's like, you, you realize God brought back Jesus from being dead. And if God has the power to bring back Jesus from the dead, God has the power in us to raise us from the dead. And that you and I can look forward to a literal, physical, bodily resurrection one day. But my friends, this truth goes way beyond that in our application to our life. Because it means that even spiritually, or emotionally, or physically, when I'm down, when I'm discouraged, when I'm depressed, when I'm low, when I'm feeling really out of it, that God can bring me back. God is the great God that can lift us up. That can raise us up. And there is no depth, no no, however low we think we are, that God's power cannot raise us up from. Cannot bring us back out of. Whatever depths we have found ourselves in, no matter how long we have found ourselves there, the Bible teaches us that this great God... 
That we know His peace, we know His provision, we know His promises, but we need to also apply His power to our life. And know that that resurrection power pulsates within our being through the power of the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us every day as God's children. It's why Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.19, I'm praying for you Ephesian Christians that you would understand the incomparable greatness of God's power that exists in you. The same power, he says to them, that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in you. And it was like, oh my goodness. I forgot I got a supernatural power inside of me. I forgot I don't have to think this way or be this way. I'm just choosing not to tap into the supernatural power of God right now in my life. I, I need to reapply that. And then I was reminded of that very familiar verse where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know that that's in the context of being content. Philippians 4. Like, wow. I was expressing a lot of discontentment (laughs) this past week. God, I don't like this answer anymore. I want to move on. I want to get this building up. I want to get it going. And God said, you can have the power to last as long as I need you to last. Because it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I love what the author says next. He says that he brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. I love that description of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself in John 10 calls himself the good shepherd. In Peter, Peter calls Jesus the chief shepherd. And here the author of Hebrews says he's the great shepherd. The Greek word is poimen, P-O-I-M-E-N. It's where we get the word pastor from. And the author of Hebrews was saying to your pastor... You've got the greatest pastor in the world. His name is Jesus. Let him care for you. Let him guide you. Let him lead you. Let him feed you. Let him protect you. Let him be your shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. And then he took me to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Wow. I was like, I was like, I'm lacking a building, God. (laughs) And God said through my shepherd, you lack nothing. He has taken you to green pastures. He's taken you to still waters. He has prepared a feast before you even in the presence of your enemies. Goodness and mercy follows you every day of your life, Jeff. And one day you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let Him shepherd you. Let Him be your shepherd. Stop trying to lead 
the chief shepherd and let the chief shepherd lead you. No one cares for you, Jeff, more than he does. So are we allowing our shepherd as the sheep to guide, to protect? We talked a lot about that Wednesday night. To feed. In fact, that's primarily what the word poimen in the original language meant. One who would feed, one who would nourish. That's why I take it as my first and foremost responsibility as your pastor is to feed the sheep. Just as God feeds and nourishes me. The great shepherd of the sheep. And then, verse 21. He wants to equip us with everything good to do His will. This word equip is such a a picturesque word, if you will. It's used in a few other places in the New Testament in a very interesting way. It spoke about when Jesus met the fishermen and they were mending their nets. Same word. See, this word equip means to mend, to repair, to restore. This word was also used in ancient times to speak about the setting of a bone back in its place again. And it was like God was saying to me, even through this word, Jeff, I want to heal you because you're broken right now. You, you need fixed. You're in a bad place. You need mending. You need restoration. And I'm just the one to do it. I'm the great mender. I'm the great repair. There's nothing I can't mend. Nothing I can't repair. Nothing I can't restore. As we shared Wednesday night, I love the story of Abraham and Sarah whenever God came to Abraham and said, why Why did Sarah laugh when I told her she would have a baby when she was old? Is anything impossible for me? And then later on in the book of Jeremiah, he says to Jeremiah, I'm the Lord, the God of all humankind. Is there anything too difficult or hard for me? No. Maybe your heart needs mended. Maybe your soul, your spirit needs restored or refreshed or revived. That's what God can do. He can equip us. Because he wants to get us back into the game, if you will. He equips us to prepare us because he wants to use us. And he wants to, in a sense, mend us and restore us and repair us so that we can be in good working order again. That's what the word equip means. To bring something back to good working order. I I wasn't in very good working order last week. I apologize to some of the people that I even maybe met with last week because I wasn't myself. I was struggling. But you know what? 
It was very important for me to share this with you today because I, I, I never want you to think I don't struggle. I don't want you to ever think I don't have bad days just like you do. We all do. But what God clearly said to me was, Jeff, it's time to believe these things again. It's time to reapply them again and make them your own and take them on again in your life. Because I want to be your peace. I want to be your provision. I want to be your promise. I want to be your power. I want to shepherd you. I want to equip you. And then the author says, equipping us to do every good thing or with every good thing to do His will, working in us what is pleasing before Him. Do you know that God is at work in us all the time? None of us can actually see it, but He's in there working on us. In fact, even right now, He's working. And the Bible promises us that God, once He starts a work, We'll never stop working. What an encouragement. Because I don't know about you, but I'd have lost my patience with me a long time ago. (laughs) I would have thrown up my hand and said, I'm done. And God never does. His patience never runs out. That's why Paul said to the Philippians, I am confident, I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began this good work in you will continue to perform it until the day you see Jesus. And Paul later on in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, that God is at work in us, bringing about even the desire and the power to do His will. That's why so many Christians, sometimes it's like, I don't even have the desire to read my Bible or to go to church and fellowship with my brothers and sisters or to pray or all that. You realize God says, I'll even give you the desire to do the things I ask you to do. That desire, that motivation doesn't have to come from anyone or anything else. It can come from me. I'll give you the desire to do my will. God is at work. Literally, it means he's providing even the energy that we need to do what he calls us to do. That's what the Greek word here is. It's energeo, where we come up with our word energy from. God is working. He's energizing. He's empowering us to do that which is pleasing before him. And then God brought me back and said, now look at that verse again, Jeff. Equipping you with everything good to do His will. Working in me. And it was like it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like God said, so right now, Jeff, it's not my will that that building be up yet. What I'm telling you and reminding you of, Jeff, is you and your church can accomplish my will for them right now at Basha. 
But in the moment that I feel like you can no longer accomplish my will there, you can better make sure that building will start to go up. Because God has promised us that everything that we need to do His will, He'll give us. And if I don't have it yet, it just simply means that I don't need that yet to do what God's called me to do. I can be right here doing what God's called me to do. So often we say, God, I need that and I need this and I, you know, and God's like, if you really needed it, you already have it. Just do what I've called you to do, where I've called you to do it now. And when the time comes in my perfect timing, then you'll have that. Because we can always count on the fact that God will equip and outfit and furnish and supply us with whatever we need to do his will. Working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. When you think about, he's my peace, he's my provision, he gave his very lifeblood, he's my promise. Because the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's my power. He's my shepherd. And not just any shepherd. He's the greatest shepherd. He's the best shepherd. All other shepherds pale in comparison to Jesus. He is my equipper. He will mend me and repair me and restore me and realign me. So that I can be in good working order. Again, if I just believe in who he is and what he can do in my life. And do we believe today that he's at work in this place and at work in my life and in your life. Energizing and bringing about within us that which brings him glory. The word glory just simply means to bring honor and praise to God. Which is what the author of Hebrews has already shared with us in Hebrews 13, verse 15, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, which says, through him, meaning through Jesus Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, acknowledging or giving thanks to his name. I love that. That's what it's all about. When we truly apply the truth in God's word about who God is to us and what God is to us, how can we not but live a life of worship and praise to God? But here's the thing. The author ends with, Amen. In other words, he's saying, will you make this your own? Will you grab a hold of it? Will you take a hold of it and personally apply it to your life? And it's got to be more than just, well, I know God's the shepherd. And I know God is the God of peace. And I know these things. Because as Christians, we can know all these facts and all these truths in our head. And yet still be in the tank spiritually. Because it's more than knowing it. And that's why the author is saying here, are you amening it? Are you believing it? 
Are you applying it? Are you taking it and making it your own? Will we say today to the great truths of Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning. God, I pray today that you would minister to us as a church and as individuals. God, that we would sense your peace here, your love reaching out to us. You want to be our shepherd. You want to mend us, restore us, repair us. Because, Lord, there's times where we're pretty broken. And so, God, I just pray today that each one of us, in our own way, would just take you by the hand, would reach up, grab a hold of you, the truth of your word, and that we would reapply it all to our life. That it would be like a fresh coat of spiritual paint that we put on our lives, stamping ourselves with the truth that sets us free. God, you have asked me to come before these precious people this morning as a living example of what your truth can do when freshly applied to a life. Because earlier this week, I was not in a good place. And I am in a much better place now. Because, Lord, I freshly applied that spiritual paint to my life. May we declare that to you today. You know the needs in this room. You know the hurts in this room. You know the wounds in this room. You know the failure and brokenness, Lord, that is represented here today. Whatever the situation is in our life, whatever we are dealing with, God, you and your word can bring wholeness and healing to our lives. So let's apply that today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you this morning that if you really are being led to freshly apply God's truth today to your life, would you come and join me here at the front? And at the end of this song of declaration, I'd like to pray for us this morning. Again, maybe for you, it wasn't just a bad week. Maybe it's been a bad month. Maybe it's been a bad year. Maybe it's been a, a long struggle for you. I want you to know that there's hope. Come to the Lord today. Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come. Anyone who wants to take the water of life freely, you come. Come today and grab a hold of the Lord as we sing.